Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday, and welcome to episode 455 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the early Blue Beetle box office projections, and let's just say it ain't looking good. Warner Brothers might have a hit on its hands with a film like Barbie, and might be able to possibly make some money off of the Meg 2, though, as I talked about in my box, I was breakdown this past weekend, I think that the China problem is a very, very real issue, since they get so little return on the investment in that country. But Blue Beetle is looking to have a similar box office performance to another DCEU movie that came out earlier this year, a little film called Shazam 2. And if anyone remembers anything about Shazam 2, it was a massive flop for Warner Brothers, and it's looking like Blue Beetle is going to follow in the same exact footsteps. We'll talk about what Tony has to say over at Deadline, as of course you know Tony is going to be shilling for this mass-produced movie, (laughs) as he tends to do. I'm still waiting for his next hit piece on Sound of Freedom, of course, because Tony does love doing that, as do most of the people in the mainstream media. But other than those things, we'll have our general movie talk discussion. Lots of things set to come out later this year, and I'm sure lots of things that you have seen yourself. I am on the cusp of the first day of school. We have had our two days of orientation for the upperclassmen yesterday and then for the freshmen today, and so we will have all of our classes tomorrow. And so back into the classroom, back into the grind, as it were, tomorrow. And luckily, my voice is definitely back still having a little bit of of leftover whatever cold I was dealing with um with with the you know the post nasal and all that kind of stuff but luckily it is not impacting my voice to the same degree as it was so again I do thank you all for putting up with my trash voice over the last several days and I will be updating the shout outs at the end of the video um, sorry, I will be yeah, I'll be shouting. I'll be updating those shout outs over the coming days. Uh, and I thank you for your patience with that. If you've been waiting for your name either to be listed at the end if you're a YouTube member or your name to be shouted out if you are a member on another platform. But as I've looked through it, I don't think there's any new members at any level that would be getting a verbal shout out, but I obviously still do want to take care of those people who are supporting on YouTube. Before we go into the chat, make sure you smash that like button, like the five button, smash the rumble button as well. We are also live on Kick tonight. Finally was able to get ourselves set up over there. Not that too many people watch over there, but it is there as an option if you wish. First off, over on Rumble, we got Kincaid Rumshki. What is going on, Kincaid Rumshki? He says, who is Blue Beetle's arch enemy? The tick? The cockroach? It's a great question. I honestly don't know really anything about Blue Beetle. The trailer, which, again, when you think about what these studios are trying to do, they're trying to appeal to those that are, or at least this is what they used to do, right? They used to try to appeal to anyone who might be a fan of the source material, but then also try to put things in that are going to bring in that normie audience. It's clear that they're not really getting any headway with any of those audiences these days, whether it be the MCU, whether it be the DCEU to a much larger degree, as far as just the raw numbers are, are concerned. We all know that the DCU has never really had a whole lot of the normie audience as far as total market share. Out of the entire existence of the DCEU, there's only been one billion dollar film, and that was the first Aquaman movie. And they've not really had anything else since then that has even gotten close, even before that film. There was nothing that really even got close to it. 
And when we look at the films that came out this year, they had Shazam 2, which, though it cost a lot less than The Flash, still ended up being a flop. And then you had, of course, The Flash, which cost probably more than what they had uh, indicated that it cost, and it did abysmal. In both cases, you're talking about films that couldn't even get to $300 million worldwide. Right? Neither film was able to get to that number. And seeing that the break-even point on some people's charts would be roughly that $300 million mark for Shazam 2, and then probably closer to $600 plus million for, for The Flash... I mean, again, we're talking possibly, you know, even more than that. It's been a while since I've even looked at the Flash's numbers. So we can pull that up today later if anyone is interested. But let's just be honest here. Uh, nothing's looking really good for this movie. Nothing's looking good for this movie because the trailer, all that I get from it, right? All that I get from it, seeing that they have just foregone and have lost the ability to capture any of these audiences. All I got from the trailer was, oh, this seems like an Iron Man ripoff, like an Iron Boy Beetle conglomeration. Now, I don't know if that's how the comic is. I doubt it. That tends to not be the case. If things seem weird or off or are dumb or stupid in the movie, typically they aren't always the same, usually aren't the same in the actual original source material. But that is what I'm gathering from, from this character overall. And something tells me that it's just not going to be able to appeal to a mass audience. And if these numbers hold, as right now the projections are not looking great, yeah, it'll get even worse for it. But anyway, let's go over to YouTube. We got Keely Chow hanging out. What's going on, Keely? Thank you for being here early. Indeed, please do not curse or or do anything silly in the chat. My mods are always watching, always, always available. Uh, Keely asks, how are you, Thor and the Lady Freya, doing? Thank you very much, Keely. Uh, yeah, baby Thor doing just fine. He 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 is is still struggling to fall asleep. Uh, he has way too much energy in general, and so he loves to. <laughs> to talk to himself and all that stuff it's always it's always hilarious to watch and then uh the lady freya is is out shopping currently for a new gate uh our dog willow who is indeed with with, with me now, let me go ahead and see if i can actually pull up the dog cam real quick yeah we got we got river hanging out over in in my chair so she's she's being a little cutie and uh and then there's willow licking herself you're welcome everybody but little willow right here she actually ate through our gate we have a gate separating the upstairs and, you know, we obviously have the stairs themselves. And so the dogs stay on the stairs and it's a wooden gate and she actually ate through the wooden gate. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so currently, currently the wife is, is, is trying to find a alternative while we wait for the actual gate that we ordered to, to come in. Cause there's just a giant hole. And whereas River actually listens and will stay and will not try to do anything, Willow has gotten out since then uh, because she clearly knows that there is a hole in the game. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got Bruce in the chat. Hail to you, Bruce. Thanks for being here. Cthulhu, what is going on? Hope you enjoyed the day. The day was all right. The day was all right. Again, even though it was, it was orientation, I don't teach freshmen, so I didn't have to worry about really any students today. Tomorrow is going to be my first actual full, you know, full day of school with students every single class period. But overall, it was fine. Got to be able to do some last minute planning, changing my PowerPoints, prepping for my introductions, my seat and charts, all that kind of stuff. You always want to try to uh, try to have as much control as you can on those first couple of days to set that tone. It's not that, you know, I go hardcore or anything like that, but I do always try to make it very clear that, you know, I'm not messing around. You know, if you you've invest around, you'll find out, <laughs> as as the old adage says. But 
yeah, it's always important, I think, just to get into that proper mindset. And sometimes it can be tough to jump right back into it, especially after that summer off. It's always that weird transition. That's why I do like and enjoy how typically our, most on most years our school handles it, where we have the the meetings the week before, and then we have the orientation days. So we get to kind of meet some of our students, like any transfer students, things like that. And then on our first actual day of school, it's 30-minute classes where all the classes get to meet. And so it actually helps out, too, because even though there's not a lot of time to really go over a whole lot, 30 minutes is more than enough time to introduce, you know, introduce myself, to go through the syllabus items, things like that. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a nice transition into the school year. Uh, Miss Minnesota Hockey fan, how about a hockey player? What is going on? Miss Minnesota, appreciate you being here as always. General Wingster, our pet troll in the chat, being very mean to, to Miss Minnesota, saying, shut up, Minnesota. That's just mean, General Wingster. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you say that? Forever Sci-Fi, what is going on, brother? Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Ikthulu, time to say, it suddenly occurred to me why Oppenheimer is failing to make Barbie bucks. They should have cast the lead as a black woman overcoming STEM oppression. <laughs> I mean, let's just be let's just be fair. If if they actually did that, that actually probably would have made them lose money. Because remember, and and this is something that I think is very important. And I think I've I shouted him out previously, but uh, shout out to Latino Slant who who made this observation on Valiant Renegade stream from a couple Sundays ago at this point. And it's all about those demographics, right? He he was talking specifically about those Barbie demographics, right? But going back to the Oppenheimer demographics, the, the demographics for that are overwhelmingly male. And also when you take the, the further breakdown of, okay, you know, if we break it down by, by age group, it skewed very heavily, you know, heavily older, right? The, as far as the total audience that we're, that we're going to see and are still going to see Oppenheimer, it's a majority of Gen X uh, baby boomer, right? From, from both demographics, from both men and women, Right, those those graphics, those demographics are are very much more heavily weighted towards the older audiences, whereas the Barbie film is much more geared towards the younger audiences. There happen to be a lot more of the younger audiences, and so ergo, you have that that similarity, but then also discrepancy too. Both are just able right now to turn out those different demographics in in such a degree that it's it's creating this amount of success. Now, in the case of Barbie it is turning out a much proportionally higher female demographic across the board and more specifically going after the the Gen Z, the Zoomers, uh, where it's the most predominant one, right? The Gen Z and the Gen Y, the millennials are the highest groups. The female Gen Z and Gen Y are the highest groups that are representing the audiences going to see that film. And so that makes a lot of sense from a demographic standpoint. Doesn't make so much sense from a logical standpoint, but hey, we <laughs> we just report the numbers as as they are, not not as we would hope them to be. Uh, Joey Horn, what is going on, brother? Been a while, I feel. Welcome back into the chat. General Wingster, again, continuing his trolling ways. I'm a little constipated, but I'm okay. Okay, General Wingster. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Glad to hear that you're doing all right. Joey Horn, then I went on to say, you mean DC isn't going to make money on a superhero only a thousand people know about? Yeah, Joey Horn, it's a great point. And it's also really sad, too, because if you think about it, this is, I again, obviously I know there's differences, but I do think there are some similarities between Blue Beetle and the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that for me, as a non-comic person, when I heard about the Guardians, I said, what the heck are, is this? I've never heard of these people before. There's a talking raccoon. There's a talking tree. This just sounds so silly. How could this possibly work? And guess what? 
James Gunn was able to make really the only great film that he's ever made, in my opinion. I know some people enjoy other films that at least he's written. Some people enjoy the the you know de- the was it Day or Dawn of the Dead remake that he wrote for uh, for Zack Snyder, who directed it. And then some people also like the film Super that he wrote as well. I've never seen Super, so I can't speak to that one. I'm not a huge fan of horror films in general, let alone horror films like that Dawn of the Dead remake. So I don't really have a lot of connection to that. But we can all, I think, all comfortably admit that when it comes to the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first film, it did something that a lot of people probably did not think it was going to be able to, which was it made any fans of the comic, any fans of the source material happy, but then it also brought in a like a huge amount of a normie audience. To such a degree that even with much less, as far as quality goes, right, much worse movies, you know, in comparison, I think that even if you do like Guardians 2 or Guardians 3, I think you at least admit in comparison to one, they don't hold a candle, right? Whereas Volume 1, you can watch over and over and over again and love it. Can't really say the same thing for Volume 2 or 3, even if you do enjoy them. And so with him only really having that, that one really great movie... He was able to show, though, that you can take very obscure characters that even a lot of comic fans. I remember I was, you know, talking with my friends who, you know, throughout high school were huge into comics, and even they were very much, uh, yeah, these are much more obscure characters. Um, so obviously, I'm not saying that they have the same audiences or even the same level of audiences, but I do think that we could still say, imagine if this had been put into the hands of a much more capable person and a much more capable studio, and and what could have happened with it. Because ultimately, even though I don't like what the the, the actor says uh, in his, you know, per, giving his own personal viewpoints and personal opinions on things, right? The the lead actor in this uh, in this movie, who also happens to be the leading star, one of the leading stars of Cobra Kai, he's great in Cobra Kai. I I like his characterization. I think that he is a good performer. But at the same time, you know, that that's not enough to sell to sell a movie. You got to have all of those pieces and parts working together. So, anyway, but yeah, we'll we'll go into those numbers in in just a second. Let's see. We got Laura, the Modern Major General story. What's going on? Laura says there was a Beetle trailer at my last movie. I was unimpressed. Yeah, I mean, m- maybe I'm wrong on this, but is anyone else getting that? Okay, this just seems like a a ripoff of of Iron Man with some slight variations, especially within the actual suit design. And again, if this is something that is very similar to or faithful to the comics. That's not something that I'm going to be able to really bring to this because I don't have that comics knowledge, but I still do think that it's an interesting question nonetheless, because there seemed to, at least from my eyes to be some, some clear borrowings as it were uh, of, of character design at the very least, as far as the film representation of the characters are concerned. All right, we got Kimberly G. Killian Shadowcat, what's going on, Kimberly G? Welcome back into the chat. Appreciate you. We also have Miss Modern Muses. Thank you for being here, Miss Modern Muses, and for the lovely rose, as always. Appreciate it. General Wingster, our pet troll, says, Your voice was indeed trash, as well as your movie opinions. Hey, oh, General Wingster. Now, now you sound like. <laughs> I've, I've already had at least one student who was like, I need to talk to you about your Barbie review. <laughs> What what one was already not happy about my opinion on on the film, <laughs> and she was like, "We're gonna talk about it this year." I'm like, "Okay, okay." So that that should be fun. That should be fun. Oh man, oh man. Let's see. Uh, Ray TF, what's going on? Welcome back. 
Uh, Cthulhu, who's a member, says, wonder if Blue Beetle's arch enemy is Birdman, attorney at law. Now, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Great Wuda, what's going on? Keck44 in the chat as well. JS Pena in the chat. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Yes, thank you very much. The puppies are indeed very, very, very cute. Though they sometimes do drive me a bit bonkers. As uh, we have taken the cone of shame off, off of River, but she is still trying to lick a booty. And she shouldn't be. She had, a, she had a little infection, and we had to put the cone of shame on her. And the medicine seems to be working, but she's, she still clearly doesn't fully understand what's going on. Mighty Orbots, what's going on? Welcome back. Appreciate you being here. Speak, speaking of River, by the way, she's now gotten back in, back into the chair. Yeah. And you see, right back to it. Ah, River. What? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything, Dad. Leave me alone. For those wondering, that is the voice that we have given given to River. Miss Vindasaka Van, been there. Our first uh, Airedale did not did nothing things like that. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm blanking out on context there. Rob D, hello, Odin. I say Blue Beetle will get lucky to open a 25 million domestic. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much right on the mark. And again, we'll, we'll dive into those numbers in a second, but it is still something that is, is a far cry from what they would want that film to actually be. Let's see, Keeley says, Hollywood has been messing around, but they still don't learn what happens when you mess around. Yeah, and it's kind of insane when, when you think about it, about how much they've lost. It's almost... In a lot of ways, we can connect it to something a lot more tangible, which is the whole Bud Light situation. You know, for those that are following it or just don't care about it at all, it is still, I think, very reminiscent of of some of what we're seeing in Hollywood, right? With Hollywood, I would say as the similarity is with the Disney animated, the Disney uh, family-oriented content. They have not been making any content. None of the films that Disney has made that have come out over the last like year, almost two years now have been profitable. And if they have, they've not really been all that profitable at all. Right? The only real bright spot that Disney has this year alone is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Is the third film in a massive franchise that, let's be frank, is banking in on the good graces that were made by the audiences or were earned by the audiences, um, given given by the audiences rather, to the studio for the amazing first movie. Right, because you're kind of seeing that that downward trajectory of overall enthusiasm towards the property with every single release, and I think also you have to look to the stars of the film. People enjoy the actors in the movie, especially in the roles that they are in. It's one of the only roles that Dave Bautista doesn't come across as a complete jerk in, and you you get, kind of just get to be able to forget because he's caked under so much makeup and effects that you get to forget about how he actually is in the real world. So it, it makes a lot of sense as to why that film was a success, but you look to any of their original content, massive flops. You look to some of their reimaginings, flops. Little Mermaid this year, it lost money. It lost a minimum of $50 million and probably closer to $100 million, even with it being one of the highest grossing films of the year, which is this kind of sad thing to say, and it's a sad state of the box office today as well. But it is, again, something that these studios really do need to figure out because that's what the Bud Light effect is having, right? What's going on with that company? Just today, it was announced that they're about to be selling off some of their minor brands. And when you're a company like that and you own various sub-brands and you're starting to sell them off, and some of them, I mean, I don't drink. You all know I'm, I'm straight edge. I, I just, I don't touch the stuff. I've never really understood the concept of it when it comes to any of those things. But even I at least have heard of a highball. And apparently... 
highball is actually being sold. They're going to be selling that property off. It's just, to me, it's it's kind of it's that thing where how is it that you've gotten to this point now where you're selling off these major brands, like even like again sub brands, but something that at the very least they, they've had pop culture references. Here's how I know what a highball is, by the way. Have you ever seen Adam's Family Values? There's a beautiful scene in the movie where you have Wednesday Adams, and she is giving the speech at the very end of the film when she's about to burn everything to the ground. It's phenomenal. Christina Ricci rocks it in that role. And she at one point says, You, you, you know, you're gonna steal my land and you're gonna you'll be enjoying this and highballs. <laughs> like, so she just offhand references it in her speech, and it's like that that's the only reason why I even know of it. And I'm not even a, a drinker, right? So if even I've heard of it, the main point is, if even I've heard of it, then it, it's got to be a pretty big deal for you to be selling it off. But I see that, and then what's going on with the with Disney? What's going on with even Warner Brothers, right? There's talks. Right now, it's just talks, but we could see something. I think it's tomorrow that the earnings call, the third quarter earnings call or something like that, is going to be live. Shout out to Valiant Renegade. I know that he and WW, uh, D, WDW Pro are going to be covering that. I think they'll be doing a live stream about it, too. So I'll be interested to hear what kind of things and what they're going to be claiming. Because if they're claiming any success, if they're claiming anything positive and they're not going to just be honest about it, I mean, uh, I don't know what else it's going to take to, for them to finally start to admit some stuff. But I mean, the, the point I think is when you look at the Bud Light going back to that, they're still doing it. They, they still will not come out and apologize. They will still not come out and say, we messed up. We disavow this creepy dude pretending to be a woman, and we're going to try to move on. We're going to try to make it right. They would be able to turn their sales around, I would say, probably overnight, if not within a week, if they went that far. Like, they would have to do a full-fledged apology, ownership, and disavowal if they ever hoped to to be able to regain any sense, right? Some people are saying, nope, doesn't matter what they do, I'm done with them forever. But I think a lot of people out there, and this, I think, comes with just brands in general and brand loyalty, if you at the very least are willing to admit your failures and own up to them and do something to try to, you know, fix it and try to to, to make amends, I think that does go a long way with most people. Not all people, but I do think a large portion of people would would probably come around if they went that far. They wouldn't. Like, even if they did, quote, apologize, it would be some offhand, some, some very much just, you know, two-faced expression that doesn't, you know, commit one way or the other, that's not going to do it, right? That's not going to move the needle at all. It, it would need to have a massive, a massive swing. So the the interesting thing is going to be is going to be to see where these studios end up because do they fall into those same patterns? Do they fall into those same issues as well? Do we see the same thing happen to Disney and to Warner Brothers as we have already seen happen to beer companies? Or even to Target, right? Remember, Target also lost billions of dollars in net worth because of, of boycotts, because of their disgusting uh, attempt to try to to kowtow and to get into basically the concept of, of grooming. It was just very, it was very disgusting. The whole quote, "tuck friendly swimwear for kids." It's like I'm sorry. At that point, you lose any respect, you lose any understanding. Again, not that there even could be. But it's like, I'm sorry, it's going to take you a long time to make up for it. And it would have to be a similar thing. It would have to be, hey, we apologize, we made a mistake, this is wrong, but we know that that's never actually going to happen. Will Disney, will Warner Brothers see something similar happen to them? I sure hope so, because that's the only way 
that they're ever going to wake up. And when it comes to movies, we know that movies hold a lot more importance, right? Hold a lot more significance than even things like like beer or or you know shopping malls, right? Because movies are impactful and are are commenting, you know, they're they're commenting, but they're also impacting the culture. And so if the movies that are trying to push these radical ideologies finally start to to lessen and go away and the people who have been pushing them go away, maybe maybe we can start to find some of that light, right? Some of that some of that way to get back to just the good old-fashioned classic movie making that has just been so so lacking in today's film market. Uh, KN slash Kareem, thank you for the $10 super chat. Appreciate that very much. Says, I've never read the source material. It uh, I like the actor who plays the main character. It may do well because it seems like it's a family movie. I will always support media that promotes strong family. Well, KN slash Kareem, thank you for that amazing super chat and appreciate your, your kindness there. You're always very supportive here on the channel. So again, thank you for being here. And yeah, let's go ahead and, ju- and dump and, and jump into that story, right? So KN slash Kareem is talking here about Blue Beetle, and he thinks that it has a chance of being successful because at the very least from the marketing, it seems like it's a pro-family movie, or at the very least a pro-strong family movie. And I definitely can get that from the trailers. I think that one does perceive that he clearly is loved by his family and that the family are going to have some part to play in the story. But right now, the numbers are not really looking like like it's going to be able to deliver in that family demographic. Now, we, of course, will have to wait for the actual numbers themselves to get released, but we, at the very least, do have some early indications. So this is from Tony over at Deadline talking about Blue Beetle. So as you can see from the headline, Tony says, Blue Beetle looks to fly to $30 million U.S. opening Early look box office. Now, as you all know, I always love and appreciate Tony's puns and and Tony's attempt to try to spin things in different ways. But isn't it quite entertaining that he's trying to portray? And again, when you say fly to something, typically you're saying, oh, that's a good thing. That That's a strong number. It's using that kind of language. It's interesting how whenever he talks about films like, I don't know, Sound of Freedom, instead it's, oh, right wing, faith based clear signs of me trying to downplay and trying to push people away from this project. Not so much with a movie like Blue Beetle. No, instead he's going to try and act like $30 million is somehow impressive. But the fact is, is that it's not. And we'll, we'll go into how we can tell and how we can know that in a little bit. But let's, let's just try to find out what logic he's trying to use as to how somehow this is impressive or how we're supposed to look at this as it being impressive. It says, unlike last August, which was totally lacking product after Sony's bullet train, the month looked to keep chugging even as the WGA and SAG after strikes continue and many talent are not permitted to promote. Recently, Warner Brothers Blue Beetle hit tracking with an eye on a $30 million start when it opens on August 18th, so opening in just about a week. With Blue Beetle, Warner Brothers is delivering what is arguably the first feature film superhero for Latino and Hispanic audiences. Well, full stop, I first, Tony, want to give you some credit. I always like to give Tony credit where credit is due. Thank you for not using the totally fake and made-up Latinx, or as I like to say, Latinx. I appreciate that. Thank you for using the actual uh, the actual words that are used within the Hispanic community, which would be Latino Hispanic. The pick was originally conceived for streamer HBO Max, now just Max, developed under the DC Walter Hamada run regime, but transitioned quite early to the theatrical release schedule. So that already is interesting because 
This movie was being made for streaming initially. This movie reportedly cost $120 million to make. That seems like a kind of weird amount of money. That's a lot of money, I would argue, to spend on a film for a streaming service. Obviously, it's not the biggest amount of money that we've ever seen, or it's nothing even close to what's been spent on shows like The Witcher or other, you know, animated, not animated, but other, uh, you know, straight-to-streaming service shows, right? Disney, of course, is notorious for overspending on most of their products. But I look at a movie like Blue Beetle and think, hey, if you're going to do a movie like this and you're going to have to spend $120 million, that should never have at any point been a, hey, we're going to put this straight onto Max. So it sounds like early on in their release or early on in the, in the process, they were going to push it to theatrical. But still, not always a good thing when you have to argue or have, you have to start off the conversation with, oh, yeah, this was originally going to be a straight to streaming movie. That usually isn't a good sign. Says the Angel Manuel Soto directed pick is very hot with Latino and Hispanic moviegoers. Oh, please. Tony, Tony, you're embarrassing yourself. Uh, right now on tracking the movie's unaided awareness, that section of polling whereby moviegoers aren't prompted on upcoming movies, rather name them independently when polled, is soaring above that of Sony's Gran Turismo. Well, I can't say I'm that surprised simply because one, Gran Turismo's marketing has been just awful. I've heard the film is good, but hey, the, the, the marketing has not been good. The, anything that I have seen for it, and I haven't seen a whole lot, but anything I have has not really looked all that interesting or all that intriguing. Um, so again, that's not really saying all that much, Tony. Uh, true, this projection right now is lower than the $55 million start of The Flash, which didn't see a huge turnout by its cast to promote. Tony, please don't even act as if the cast not showing up to promote that movie somehow had a massive impact. I, I mean, you are. I, I, I know you're smarter than that, Tony. You know that the movie star does not drive people to the theater. If that were true, Black Adam would have been a massive hit because The Rock has millions upon millions of subscribers to his various social media platforms. And guess what? The vast majority of them did not go to see his movie. So fandom can only go so far. Social media presence does not guarantee ticket sales. This is something that I've always been harping on because whenever there are situations where, hey, social media has an impact, for instance, the whole Barbenheimer effect, okay, yes, the Barbenheimer effect was real. It was authentic. It was, it was able to produce results, but it's not always a guarantee. Just, just talk to Morbius about its Morbin time. That was also a huge social media success and when they, the studio wrongly read that to mean, ooh, people want more Morbius because of Morbin time and it's going to be fun. And then no one showed up. <laughs> it was a massive waste of money and a massive waste of marketing on their behalf. So again, Tony, I, I know you're smarter than that, brother. I know that you're smarter than that. And then goes on to say, which didn't see a huge turnout to promote. And Shazam Fear of the Gods at 30.1 million but note, movies aimed at Hispanic and Latino moviegoers can over-index in their weekends due to walk-up business. I'm just going to say right now, if this was something that had been written by a quote-unquote conservative or independent media personality, you know immediately that line would have been listed as being racist. Because of the implications of what that's trying to say. It's like, wait, why would they be walk-ups? Are you trying to say it's because they only would pay with cash? 
and they wouldn't be buying something in advance with a credit card? Why would they only be paying in cash? You see where I'm going with this. And that's the kind of mindset that a lot of these people like Tony will try to use, right? They'll try to use that to, to try to downplay or try to read into certain phrases, certain, certain contexts. But again, it is something where it's like, well, you know, if it's true, it's true. <laughs> if it happens to be true, then it happens to be true. And I'm always been someone that says, hey, walk up business is still the primary way that most people will buy tickets. Most people will buy it on the day, right? Most people will buy it on the day in typical markets. But <laughs> he went on. He went out and said uh, the quiet part out loud. I guess uh, that's what happened this weekend with the Meg to the trench coming in at the top expectations with thirty million dollars start and a strong turnout among Hispanic Latino crowds at twenty five percent per Comscore. Okay, trying to say that. <laughs> Okay, but uh, $30 million start for this genre title is a is right in the vicinity of another Hispanic Latino conceived temple, that being Robert Rodriguez, Alita Battle Angel, which posted a three-day $28.5 million back in 2019, so you need to adjust for inflation, and that's probably closer to $30 million in today's world. So as you all know, Alita, hey, I liked Alita a lot. The film ended up probably doing better than what many expected, but even Alita, guess what? Theatrically, did not make its money back. Even theatrically, Alita Battle Angel did not make its money back. So that's just the thing is he's trying to argue that somehow this $30 million is actually really, really good. And there's all these things that could potentially happen, right, that could possibly push it over the edge. But it's not actually based on reality. It's not really – it's not actually realistic. L let's go ahead and try to provide some more context here for Tony. So first off, as I mentioned – the film's budget is projected to have been around $120 million. This is coming to us from The Wrap as the actual source. Okay, well, let's talk about two of the movies that he does mention that came out earlier this year from Warner Brothers. We have Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and The Flash, right? In the case of Shazam, that film, guess what? Costs a cool $125 million. Wait a minute. That's only $5 million difference to Blue Beetle. Kind of brings you also back to that discussion about, wait, you spent $5 million more on a film that was always going to be made to be theatrical, but then you also spent $120 or were going to be willing to spend $120 on a film that was originally supposed to be for streaming? Priorities there, Warner Brothers. You can argue that it's from a different era of Warner Brothers and that they've obviously gone in a very different direction from then and there's been a lot of changes. Okay, fine. I'll grant you that. But still, budgets are very, very similar here. But what is the number that Blue Beetle is projected to make? According to Tony at Deadline, it's $30 million. How much did Shazam make? Oh, wait. In its opening weekend, it made $30 million. Oh, boy. After that, what happened? It fell off a cliff. In fact, I even forgot it was this low. I forgot just how bad this movie did at the box office, right? It only then went on to make another $27 million in the entirety of its box office run. That is about as abysmal as you can possibly get, right? Most films make the vast majority of their money in the first two weeks. The fact that it made $30 million in its first weekend and then made 57 only total, that's really bad. And internationally, it was a very similar story. Did not make much of anything. It ended up only making $132 million. So he tries to, again, bring up the likes of Alita Battle Angel. Alita Battle Angel went on to make roughly $400 million or so. It did cost a little bit more than what Shazam or, or even what Blue Beetle would cost, but still was able to get much more than what, what Shazam was able to do. But then he kind of, again, skips over some key details to this, right? He, he skips over some key things. 
And that is that a $30 million start for a $100 plus million movie from a massive studio in Warner Brothers DC is not a good start. It is not a strong start. Now, if we see the film make more than $30 million, depending on how much above $30 million it is and depending on how the tracking is, okay, that could show a sign of life. But at this early stage, when all we have are other DCEU flops that have come out so far this year, Shazam being the great example of that, $132 million worldwide total. At $125 million, the film needed to make a ton more for it to actually break even. Or if we're going to talk about another film in The Flash, which only opened to $55 million, that's a little higher than the $30 million projected for Blue Beetle. Granted, it cost a lot more than what Blue Beetle or Shazam cost. And that film only made, ended up making $268 million worldwide. And we know that The Flash had a lot bigger name recognition, right? Had, had a lot more people knowing and aware of it. That's, again, something that Tony mentioned, saying, oh, people, when polled about what films they know about, know a lot more about, about Blue Beetle than some of these other films that are, that are set to come out. Okay, but then you can't say that same thing for The Flash, and The Flash also flopped. Even if Shazam had made The Flash's numbers, it would still be a flop. Because you have to make two and a half to three times your budget in order to break even. And $268 million is not two and a half to three times more than the budget for Shazam. In fact, let's go ahead and just jump into this a little further, right? That's only 1.1 times the budget. So even if you... Use a break-even point like I do of 2.5, which some say is too conservative. That's still bad. That's still a far cry from 2.5 times your budget. It's an even further cry from three times the budget, as some people would have their break-even points be. Either way you cook it, either way you spin it, either way you look at it, this film is not in a good position. Again, $30 million for a movie like this in Blue Beetle. At this point based on what we've already seen from DC properties this year, and based on how generally there is malaise and uninterest in hardcore fans. Even though I do not like Snyder, I do not like Snyder, I do not like the Snyderverse, I think he's vastly overrated by the hardcore Snyder bros, I still recognize the Snyder bros have power. How do I know this? Look at how BVS, Batman v Superman, a film that has a lot of problems and a lot of issues, was able to make over $800 plus million at the box office. Again, nothing to write home about, right? Nothing too amazing, especially with how much money they spent on the film. If we're going to talk about break-even points, that film was not a huge financial success when you actually look at the data. But hey, that's a lot higher than what came out later with Justice League when the Snyder Bros, guess what? They knew that film was not Snyder's vision, and then $200 million worth of people did not show up for Justice League. So you now look at the current state of things where they have, you know, Warner Brothers has completely disavowed and completely separated themselves from Snyder. It makes sense then that you don't have those hardcore Snyder bros. And that was really the only audience they had. The only audience that DC, that Warner Brothers had, that was able to drive out any type of of, of reaction or any type of, of revenue or potential revenue was from the hardcore fans. And we know this is true of any franchise too, right? Franchises in general are, are kept alive and are sustained by the hardcore fans, right? They're, they are sustained by those people that are going to see it opening night and then see it again and again and again and buy all of the merch and buy all of, all of the extras that you can get. 
And they've lost that completely. And with their reset, with the James Gunn coming in, resetting everything, Henry Cavill especially no longer being even part of the discussion, which makes so little sense when you now also have the word that, oh, Gal Gadot's going to stay on as Wonder Woman. But wait a minute. How could you say that Gal Gadot will stay on as Wonder Woman, but then also say at the same time that you need a different version in a different direction when it comes to Superman? Sounds more to me like in Gal Gadot, you have someone that, hey, I know a lot of people like her. But that comes across as, oh, she must be a, kind of a yes woman of, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do what you say and I won't really question things and I'm here to do a job. And, hey, I understand that. Whereas with Henry Cavill, what do you have? You have a nerd. You have someone who knows the material better than the actual people themselves. You have an actor in Henry Cavill who is who is such a nerd with this stuff that he will leave a show where he was probably getting paid quite a bit in The Witcher and say, no, you've gone too far away from the source material. And as much as I love this character and I love this world, this isn't worth it. I'm going to go do something else where I have a little bit more creative control. And now he's going to be doing Warhammer. I don't know much about Warhammer, but hey, to me, that makes sense for him to have a have a uh, con, you know, have a concept and to have a show like that. And for him to have a lot more creative control uh, based on the early things that we've heard about how that project all came about. But getting back to Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle is in a position right now to either one of two things, perform just as much as what a Shazam did and lose more money for Warner Brothers, or do better than what was expected because, as Tony said, the Hispanic audience is going to be showing up to it. I think that's a little bit myopic of a view to think, oh, well, this is a Hispanic character, and so, ipso facto, we're going to see this, this happen. We all know that when it comes to general audiences, they tend not to work in the ways that you think that they will. Sometimes we think that certain audiences will show up for, for one movie and then they end up not. There's so many different things and so many different factors that can come into play here, right? Especially when you remember that we are still in an economically difficult time. This means that any person of any background is going to be a lot more careful with how they spend their money. And what does Blue Beetle offer? What type of value proposition does that film offer? Based on the trailers, I don't see anything. I don't see any value to that story. There, there's nothing of true interest there. Some people might be brought in because of the lead actor in it, because of his work on Cobra Kai. But this also isn't Cobra Kai. This is a different character. And we know, just because you're a fan of an actor in a general sense or from a specific show, does not guarantee a one-to-one -one crossover into a different franchise or into a different medium. So let's just say, and let's just be honest here. All right, Tony, let's be honest. Yeah, it's not flying to 30 million. It's Blue Beetle looks to struggle getting upwards of $30 million opening weekend early box office. That would be at least a, a more accurate take. Now, once we get closer to it, if these numbers change, okay. Right, we can we can have that conversation. We can talk about the numbers as they come in. And if there's just a, a massive swell and there is just a uh, a massive audience that is showing up for this movie in a way that we couldn't tell. And what's also interesting too is that <laughs> if you go over to Box Office Pro and the last update they did was was actually only about five days ago, they even in their early indications. Now, this could change, and something tells me that when Box Office Pro's numbers come out, it'll probably be north of 20, 25 million if I had to guess. But in their early numbers, 
This 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 was the last update they had. This was five days ago. Box Office Pro, the one that correctly predicted that Barbie would make $150 million plus in its opening weekend. Thirteen to eighteen million dollars is what they were projecting, what they're currently projecting. A twenty-nine to fifty-eight million dollar total. We could see some changes happen with this, but I mean, I just I, I don't see how. I do not see how you can have a massive change in this area with this movie. I think Warner Brothers and the DC universe in general are are broken. I think they're broken franchises, broken brands, and I don't think they have much going else for them. What say you? All right, heading back into the chat. We got Rumble, KK and Rumshi. Is Blue Beetle projected to get $25 million for Friday night or the whole weekend? Now, that $30 million is for is for the weekend. That $30 million from, from Deadline, that's what currently the industry is saying the, 30, is saying the actual opening weekend uh, uh, will be, at least based on what I'm seeing here on this site. And again, that would make sense seeing that Box Office Pro had its number closer to $18 to $15 million in its three-day opening weekend, right? And that's why it made the comparison to the $55 million made by The Flash and the other $30 million opening weekend made by, by Shazam. So, yeah. I could see how some people, maybe like a John Campia, could look at that number and say, $30 million opening weekend, uh, opening Friday is great. No, you're, you're reading it wrong. You're using Box Office Mojo again on a bad day. <laughs> All right, heading back into the YouTube chat. We got General Wingster saying, no, Odin, I was telling the state of Minnesota to shut up, not the person. Ah, okay. Well, then I guess that's better. Forever Sci-Fi, Babylon 5 is coming to Blu-ray in December. Yes, yes, I remember hearing about that. I think I found what I want for Christmas. Seriously, I'm very excited to hear that, and I'm definitely going to be buying it when it becomes available. We'll probably try to buy some extra copies, too. J.S. Pena, so stop me if I'm wrong, but from what I've heard, even though Barbie made $1 billion, it's still not enough to save Warner Brothers. Is this true or no? I mean, it really isn't. Uh, If we're going to look just at movies, if you want to bring in other areas, I don't think it looks great in other areas. I believe they've lost subscribers on Max, or again, I don't know the the full details on that, but when it comes to the movies in general, it's not going to be enough because here's the biggest issue when it comes to Barbie for them. Right For one, this is a massive hit that they did not think that was going to be a hit. How do I know they didn't think it was going to be a hit? They thought this movie was only going to make $75 million in its opening weekend. That that was the confidence, the level of confidence they had in the film. Now, they were lowballing it because that's what studios do. But that's also a way of saying, okay, yeah, we think it'll make $75 million. And everyone in the industry was like, okay, come on. It's going to be at least $90, $100 million. It ended up making over $160 million domestic, right? So they clearly did not have that level of confidence in the movie. So my guess is, and, and my question, this is something that I don't know the answer to, is how much stake does Mattel have in the film? If Mattel has a 50-50 split in revenue, that is disastrous. Because even if even if Warner Brothers did get closer to 100%, we know they're not going to get 100% of the revenue because we do know this was co-produced with Mattel and that Mattel will get a cut. We just don't know how much it is, or at least I don't know how much it is. But if the film, even if it got 100% of the revenue, we're talking about it getting probably, what, 600 plus million in net gain from the film? That's really, really good. But is it good enough to make up for the 250 million plus loss for The Flash and the 100 plus million dollars loss for Shazam and... All of the other films, Blue Beetle, probably going to be also another $100 million loss for them as as well. 
you have to have all of these negatives, right? And it quickly eats away at any of those potential profits that they would have. So that would be a best case scenario is, yeah, it's going to make a huge dent. It's going to be a huge dent in the losses they've had, but it's not going to be a complete wash. It's not going to be a complete making up of all the films they've lost money on so far this year. But we know that they don't get 100%. So now we're having to ask the question, okay, it seems to me logical for Mattel to have a 50-50 split, most likely. Maybe they, if they produce, especially if they produce 50% of the film, okay, 50% makes even more sense. And when you take into account a 50-50 split, okay, now that $600 million profit, now it only becomes, for Warner Brothers, $300 million. Okay, that's about the entire loss of of the Flash by its own. By its own. <laughs> it's like before any other movies in the discussion, that's already just making... You're, make, you're making up for the losses for the Flash at that point. So yeah, it, it's not going to be enough to make up for all of the losses they've had from the box office specifically, though. Anyway. See, Master of Gaming, what's going on? Master of Gaming then went on to tag. Both The Meg and Sound of Freedom did well with Latino audiences, according to Deadline. Blue Beetle is doing better than what Box Office Pro projected, according to Deadline. Yeah, and again, that's why I asked the question of, one, is this really going to be the case? And two, I don't think that's going to be enough. And again, I go to The Sound of Freedom is doing well with a lot of different audiences, a lot of different people, right? I know that 25% is the number that he mentions as far as Latino interest in, in Blue Beetle. But that that's just talking about the overall, like what share of the demographic specifically is showing interest. That is possibly higher than what a general film would be, but it's also, it's not saying that it's a huge portion. It's a massive portion or mass majority of the audience, right? Of the said audience. So I'm not denying that that audience could still show up strong for it. But the other difference is that Sound of Freedom had a very small budget and has done well with various markets and has very strong holds um, overall. The Meg 2 has an issue because the Meg 2's domestic, though better than what they had originally thought, is still not enough for it to be a massive hit. Remember, a huge portion of the Meg's box office so far is coming directly from China. All right, and let me see if the numbers actually has this uh, has this updated. Because I do think it is 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 important for us just to have this as as a bit of a reference here. So right now they're only reporting about twenty million dollars from that, but we know it's a lot higher than that. But the reports that I was reading were that of the one hundred million dollars internationally that was made by the Meg Two, about seventy million was from China. That that's why it's a problem because when you take that seventy million away. And in reality, you can, because they're only getting 25% return. They don't get 100% of that $70 million from China. They only get 25% of that $70 million. So the Meg 2 is trending to be a hundred and what, hundred plus, $150 million maybe uh, hit in China. But for one, it's splitting the revenue with a Chinese production company, and it's about a 50-50 split, or it likely is going to be close to a 50-50 split if I had to guess, but that's also only after they they have <laughs> they have the cut that the the Chinese Communist Party is going to be keeping in China. So yeah, it, it's something that yeah you can argue that that they're doing well in the domestic market with a specific audience. But thirty three million dollars for a movie like The Meg Two, which yeah not as expensive as the other film, but still costs well over a hundred million dollars. It's got a long way to go. 
it's got a long way to go, especially because it's got a, it's really got a, uh, a handicap. It's, it's got a China box office handicap. And it's, it's actually double the fact, double the, double the, uh, handicap because it's also having to split it with a Chinese company. Oh man. So yeah, it's, it's doing a lot better than I thought it was going to be doing, but that's a huge problem for it to be having in the long run. Let's see. Steven. Uh, Steven Tide says, probably last time mentioning my ex, but I'm stuck if I should just text her happy birthday. It's tomorrow. Again, Steven, I can't make that decision for you, dude. Um, I think I mentioned this last time. Know yourself. Know thyself. If you feel like it's just it's not a good friendship, it's not a good relationship for you to have in your life, then you should probably... You're clearly not in a position to be able to handle that kind of relationship right now. So if you don't think that it's healthy or good for you, then I would say try to create some separation. I mentioned last time that I know for me, I was able to make it work, I know, almost nine, I would say roughly 99% of the time when I, whenever I broke up with someone, I would be friends with them after. I was able to make those relationships work, even when I messed up really bad myself. But that's me. And most people are not me, just like most people are not you. You're your own individual person. So you have to know yourself of whether or not you think you could actually handle a friendship with this person, but also whether it's even a good thing, if it's a good or healthy relationship to have with that friendship. So that, that's all I can really say about it, man. I can't help you any more than that. Um, so you, you got to make your own decision there, man. Uh, Titan, what's going on, brother? Says, oh, what's going on? Represent the 199. Uh, Steven then went on to ask, we honestly think the box office prediction is going to, again, that is the projection right now is $30 million. So I, I'm not going to be surprised if box office pro in the coming days comes with their updated projections and it's closer to that mark. Cause typically box office pro has a higher projection than what the typical marketing, uh, what the typical box office, so-called experts, tracking experts, uh, predict. And one of the reasons why is because box office pro uses its own, algorithm it uses its own calculation which includes social media and other metrics like that to to try to basically figure out try basically it's trying to predict what the walk-up sales are going to be so if they are seeing what tony at deadline was seeing about oh it's doing very well with this hispanic demographic and they are, are a higher you know they in much more higher percentages will you know do walk-up business to movies okay we're going to then put that into our calculations and then that number, that projection number will, will be a little bit higher. So if I had to guess it would make sense for a movie like that to make in that 20 to $35 million range, but it's still too early to tell for me. I don't like making projections like that without actual data in front of me, as you all know, JS Pena to have to say, honestly, the only thing that has me interested in the new DCU is, is that there's talk they'll release the air cut of Suicide Squad if true, good, or bad, I want to see it. Yeah, and I know a lot of people do have some genuine interest in various cuts of different movies, and I know that's that's like the next biggest one. You know, Snyder Cut was the biggest, of course. I've heard a lot about the air cut, not as much, but still enough to know those people with interest in it. And, you know, I, I don't really have a dog in that fight. I don't really care one or the other because I don't think an alternate cut can save that movie. I really don't. Um, I, I think that the film and the, the casting, especially the casting is not going to be fixed. The casting is not going to be impacted by the cut of the movie. And I'm saying that the casting was awful. I'm just saying it, it was very uninspired. I, I know that when the first announcement came out of Margot Robbie 
as Harley Quinn came out, it sounded really nice. But what we've learned since then, again, hindsight being 2020, is that she really just isn't that great of a fit for that role. Um, at the very least, not, not in the long term. Her performance has not aged as well. I remember when it first happened, everyone was in agreement saying the movie wasn't very good, but Margot Robbie was great. I think since that time, more and more people have said, okay, I like Michael Robbie as an actor. I just don't think this is really her her thing. So, uh, Kili Chow, uh, I take it you haven't watched Brightburn since you are not into horror. I have. I have seen that one because that one is a little bit more thriller than than horror. So, I I, I like do, I do like thrillers. JKDBuck76, what's going on? Welcome back. Steven then went on to say, uh, what's the update with the strike? I... Uh, they did not come up with an agreement. Um, the last I had heard about it was that they are still uh, in talks. And that uh, the the thought is that there will not be a deal um, between the writers specifically and and the studios for probably probably quite some time. Probably not until September. I think I was hearing September as a month when another deal might come up. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't follow that kind of stuff that closely, though, because I don't really have an interest in it. To me, it's okay. A bunch of rich people are, are leading the charge for, I know, questions and issues that do impact uh, lower members of Total Poll. As you all know, we, we have a member here on the channel uh, who is a, who's a longtime supporter of the channel and also a personal friend of mine as well, who is a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And I know that she has, you know, she has talked to me privately and, and mentioned how there are certain things that are, are coming up in the actor strike specifically that will help uh, the day players, that will help the extras, that will help those those other people that are really the unsung heroes of the movie making industry, right? Uh, the people who oftentimes are the ones that allow the films to be as big and, and as inspiring as they're able to be, uh, creating that scope or helping to create that scope. So it is something that is, is But unfortunately, as with most strikes, and this is why I hate unions in general, is because it's become overly political. It's being led by the, the, the most loud and obnoxious members, and those, of course, are the ones that are getting the coverage. So in general, I don't really care that much about them, though. Uh, Master Gaming, Blue Beetle is more akin to Max Steel and Generator Rex than Iron Man. You mean in the comics or the way it's being presented? Uh, Steven then says, what are your thoughts on Wonder Woman 3 being in the works? Uh, I, I pretty much talked about that earlier. Again, I'm, I'm over it. I, I just, I like Gal Gadot. I just, um, I think the, fir- I think the second movie was so bad that they just need to drop it. Like, unless they're going to completely reimagine it and, you know, completely re reboot it with a brand new creative mind behind it. I, I, I would have no interest in going to see it. That's how bad Wonder Woman 1984 was. Let's see, J.K.D. Buck. Never heard of Blue Beetle until the director ran his mouth. Now think about that. A person's first knowledge of his movie brought to him because the director is being a schmuck. Yeah, and that's been the biggest problem with Hollywood in general, right? Is that they have, because of social media especially, and because of the way in which and the speed of which media travels, it's now at a point where these people need to soon realize that when you say anything that's political or can be even be deemed as political, you immediately have isolated at least half of your audience because that's the nature of the beast. When you delve into politics, there are generally speaking two sides. And I know obviously there are plenty of people that are in that middle ground that would not say they associate with either side, 
but typically we're talking about left, right, conservative, liberal, whatever it might be. But if you dive into a political matter, you're going to be isolating part of your audience. There's been some really interesting commentary. Um, by the way, I was so, so happy, and I know that this is sacrilege for, for most things, but this is one of those weird moments where I can talk about how seeing a, a, a team represent my country fail and finding happiness and joy in that is something that actually a lot of people are going to be supporting. <laughs> or at the very least saying, I understand why you would be happy. And that is, of course, the U.S. women's soccer team getting knocked out in the round of 16, the earliest that they've ever been knocked out before in team history. And one of the things that's been coming up is there are some that are not willing to call out the nonsense straight up. But there is a podcast on the Fox network. I think the he's a former U.S. soccer player. I think it's Alexi. Many of you who, who watch sports maybe know about him or, or recognize his name. But on his on his show, right at like the episode of his podcast, right after this loss happened, he to me brought up the elephant in the room, and I was like, "Oh, I was not expecting someone mainstream to bring this up." He didn't bring it up to the fullness that he should have, and he didn't call it out the way that he should have. But he mentioned saying, "This team is controversial." Hey, that's just the fact. That's just the truth. This this team is controversial and it's polarizing, and a lot of it's because of these things that they they, they do and that they say. And I'm like, "Yes, thank you." Now that there are actually normal people, normal people in the mainstream bringing these things up, my hope is that we will eventually start to see that stuff to also be a part of, of pop culture coverage and and for us to all come into the agreement that, hey, we believe in free speech. We believe that you have the right to say the things you want that you want to say, but you have to also recognize and remember that if you want all of America, if you want the biggest audience possible if you want the broadest most quote diverse audience possible to go see your movie you can't then come out in public especially when you're promoting said film and say something really really stupid that only half the country might think is smart (laughs) if you catch my drift right because you're isolating half the audience and you have to also remember this key fact when it comes to audiences of things that cost money When it comes to people who spend their money, it's actually even more than half of your audience because the people that are actually going to be spending the money to go see these movies, let's just be honest, probably going to be a higher percentage of people who are, quote, more conservative, more Republican, as they tend to spend money on these types of things more often. It's not a universal. There's still obviously a huge portion of an audience that could still exist, that could still support your film, even if you do say something really, really stupid. But... When things like this start to happen where, hey, Disney, because you decided to to play stupid games, you're going to win some stupid prizes. And families and parents have said, no, I don't want to bring my kids to any of your schlock. And now where's Disney when it comes to their kids' content? They're not making anything. They're losing. Big. Massive amounts of money. And couldn't happen to a nicer company, as I always say. But that's what happens when you decide to delve into that arena. Let's see, 719, Master of Gaming said, Elemental is a Disney movie and it might break even in September. No, it will not, Master of Gaming. I don't know if it's you or someone else who's been coming into the comment section saying, hey, this movie has has been, you know, it, it made X amount of money this weekend. It made X amount of money this weekend. Look, I'm not going to lie. The film actually, leg-wise, has been very, very impressive. It's actually been very, very impressive. 
right now, uh, its first weekend, I'll actually pull this up on my on my chart because we love charting here over at OMB Reviews. But just to kind of give you as to why breaking even pro- is not likely going to happen. So first off, compared to its first two weeks, here's where Elemental is. It's a chart breaker. It is a chart breaker in almost every way. 29%. So its opening weekend accounts for roughly 29% of its entire box office. So far, as of the last time I updated this, which was, I think, uh, a couple days ago, the film had made $423 million worldwide. This movie was was projected to only be able to get to, based on the numbers that we had available, the film was only expected to get to around 173 to $242 million. So this film's already far surpassed that. As I said, it is a chart breaker. But the film still costs $200 million to make. The film is still $45 million in the red. On the more conservative side of things, which most people consider my my numbering, the movie is at 2.1 times its budget. It needs to hit to 2.5. So is it possible? Sure. But we're talking about a film that might barely eke it out. That's not success. That's not successful at all. Also, here's another tab on here that I don't have public because I'm still playing around with some of these other factors. But let's take into account... Another type of metric that some people uh, think is more accurate. All right, so let's try to find that same uh, that same number for for Elemental. And so if you go to Elemental here, right, that four hundred and twenty three million dollars again, forty five million in the red. Here's the issue. All right, for some people, for them, they look at the box office and they say the film needs to make three times its budget. And not only that, but then they'll also go into, okay, when calculating, you know, profits, you know, net gains and net profits, they'll say, hey, a studio only gets maybe closer to 50% of the box office these days, if not even less. Marketing could cost even more than the standard. So I went ahead and made an alternate chart saying, okay, my current gain loss chart is using, hey, you only get 60% of the entire box office, and then you have to subtract your total cost with marketing. That gets you this number right here, 45 million in the red. But let's say that actually it's maybe 50% instead. And that's what some people would say it actually is. Now you're looking at 88 million in the red. So what I'm saying is that if you're more if the most conservative numbers that you could give on this movie are that it'll get close to breaking even, or hey, it's doing better than what was expected, that's still not good. Add to that the chance that it costs more marketing-wise, and we already know it did cost quite a bit marketing. I think it was what reported to be what 150 million dollars marketing budget for elemental which is the standard for most disney films these days for a 200 million dollar movie most of the time you're typically spending 100 million dollars so that's an extra 50 million spent so the the main point from that is even though this is one of the most impressive compared to opening weekend especially because that's the other uh column that i have here is what's the opening weekend in comparison to the end total the opening weekend is only accounting for 11 percent of what this film has made I went back and and tried to find another number that was that was close to that, and really, again, the only thing I could find was push, push in boots. The last wish, that was able to well overperform what it was what it was supposed to do, what it was supposed to be, but most of the films are not even close to that. La La Crocodile actually, it's it's opening weekend also accounted for a very small percentage of the end end result. But yeah, I mean, I've been hearing at least a couple people talking about that. And look, it's doing better than what had been expected. But the numbers right now are definitely not. It are definitely not looking like it's going to be a success in any way. 
Steven, your thoughts on AMC possibly filing for bankruptcy? I mean, they've already filed for bankruptcy, I believe. Um, I don't remember what chapter bankruptcy it was. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. I, I kept getting, I got alerts the other day because I'm a stockholder in AMC. Not, not a whole lot, but I do own some stock there. And it was funny because it said, you know, earnings call shows that it did better than expected. And with earnings of 0.00, so no gain, but apparently that was better than their projections. So they had projected, I sense, I guess they had projected to lose value. And because they kept it the exact same, it's better. But I'm like, that's still not good. <laughs> Especially when you're, the value that you have per share is only about $5. Kili Chow. That's why you're the CM Punk of Geeks and Gamers. <laughs> well, I mean, Jeremy already had that uh, already had that role taken down because, he, you know, he's not straight edge for the same reasons that I am, but uh, I know that he is also straight edge. Uh, Kinkane Rumsky over on Rumble says, why are you always dissing Jason Statham movies? Is there something that you want to tell us? I'm not always dissing them. I talk about how I enjoyed the first Meg movie. I thought it was fun. It was stupid fun. And one of my favorite parts of that first movie was, oi, it's a Megalodon. I just talked about last stream, in fact, I think it was last stream, about how there's a Melissa McCarthy movie, Spy, with him in it, and he's the best part of the movie. <laughs> it's, it's actually really funny because of that. <sighs> oh, King Kane Rumshki. I only have room for one pet troll, and he's on YouTube. Let's see. Steven says, your thoughts on July being... Let's see, your thoughts on July being the second biggest box office in history. Um, according to whom and what what have you adjusted for inflation? <laughs> that would be my that would be my my questions because I have not heard that myself. And even if I did, I would say, okay, hold the phone. Are you saying that you're looking at every single July month going back, you know, decades, and then you're also giving us accurate data because you have to do one of two things. You either have to adjust for inflation because that's going to give us the actual, hey, this is what the value of that summer in today's dollars, right? Or at the very least, you have to say, what was the average ticket price? How many total tickets were sold then overall? Because I'm going to tell you right now, whichever one you use, this is why when people say, well, ticket price, this is the only fair way. But hey, Adjusting for inflation does something very similar because they both tell you the same thing, which is, hey, movies sold more tickets and made more money years ago. <laughs> more people were going to the theater. That's what both things tell you, just in slightly different ways. Um, so, again, that's a huge thing for us in the you know post-pandemic era, no doubt about it. But as far as you know, long-term box office history... It's not going to be nearly as impressive when you actually compare it in like-for-like like metrics. Forever Sci-Fi. Tech-friendly swimwear designed by a Satanist. I forgot about that part. I stopped, I stopped shopping at Target, avoid Disney, and never uh, never drank Bud Light. Yeah, and again, I totally support anyone that um, that wants to go in that direction with it. Uh, General Wingster. But that George Lopez facial hair, though. Trying to say that as a selling point? <laughs> I guess for some people it could be. Let's see. Ikthulu. Companies are having severe difficulty online advertising and no one paying attention to any of it. This is half of the LGBT push to in adverts trying to ride a trend that's in, that's insignificantly tiny. Yeah, I mean these companies obviously need to find a way to to try to take advantage of these new types of of technology that we have and these new ways of reaching people, but it's clear that they don't really care about that. They care more about the message. It's all about the message, right? 
Jenna Wingster, Odin, we must access the Latinatrix. <laughs> Latinatrix. The Latinatrix. Sounds awful. Phaser 1, yeah, $120 million. Definitely doesn't sound like money well spent to me. Jenna Wingster, Oppenheimer should have gone with the secondary. It's bombing time. Oh, boy. Uh, Kane slash Kareen, I'd say $30 million for something that's not known, I think, is a decent box office. $120 million budget for a super movie, superhero movie is low, at least compared with the other superhero movies that came out this year. And again, I understand that argument, Kane Kareen. And again, thank you for that super chat earlier. But I do think that it is a bit of a false... Uh, it's a bit of a false hope because yes, is it better than what they were expecting? Box office pros, early numbers were very low, right? 15 to $18 million is what the last update they had. So 30 million by comparison seems very, very good, but then you got to remember, okay, well, Shazam did only make $30 million. The flash Two, which is much better, you know, but much better known made 55 million. The only way that something like blue beetle then that, you know, the only way that it could actually, you know, uh, capitalize on, and I think it's a fun word there, right? Capitalize on the presumably higher than expected box office opening weekend, domestically at least, would be it has to be a great movie. There's just nothing that has been indicated by any of the trailers that that is the case. I know that this was something that Christian Toto and others have mentioned already too. Apparently, it's not having early critic screenings. I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I don't know if it's just delayed screenings, like if it's going to be actually having those early screenings to get the early word out there or not. But if a movie gets released, so we stop to wait, but Christian Toto is a professional critic. So when him when he's saying it, I, I have to imagine then that it's not a normal thing. It's not the norm. So if he's coming out to say that there's no, they're not having a screening, that, to me, immediately says danger, danger, danger. Because most movies that don't have those kinds of screenings for critics and things like that, again, I know critics in general, we could care less about, but those are the signs that you don't have a good movie on your hands or that you don't have a movie that you want too much conversation about before it's opening. That maybe the mystery of the film is going to be better than the actual movie itself. So... Maybe they're trying to get the biggest box office opening weekend they possibly can, knowing that as soon as the word of mouth gets out, it, it doesn't do well. Who knows? Again, uh, that was the last thing I saw from from Christian Toto's profile was a comment about uh, Blue Beetles not having a, a screening when it normally should have had one by now. Uh, Ambrose Chamberpot, what is going on? Welcome back. Thank you all again for being here. It's 8.15 8 in real life. And 737 in the chat, so again, I apologize for falling behind, but y'all have always been warned. Remember, Sci-Fi says, streaming is such a bad business that the Pac-12 decided to break up because their only TV offer was streaming by Apple. Streaming couldn't save a 108-year-old institution. Dang, yeah. You know, and I assume that's, is that is that football? I don't know. I, I don't really follow. It sounds like a... For me, when I hear Pac-12, it sounds like college football. That's what it sounds like to me. I, I don't know if that's what it is or not, but... Let's see, Kimberly G. I saw in the quartering how badly Starbucks treat their employees. So done with them, plus a chai is $6 now. Yeah, I mean, that was my issue already from Starbucks was they just overcharge. <laughs> they overcharge for everything. Oh, man. Uh, Jacob Wiseman, what's going on? 
Uh, Master of Gaming. Not all movies that use representation as a selling point are successful. Case in point, Bros and Easter Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the Christian audience is, I think, is a great example, right? People think, oh, if we make a Christian movie or a film that is at least uh, dealing with aspects of faith, that somehow it'll bring people out there. No, the thing with with faith-based movies or... In the case of Easter Sunday, I don't even think that movie was necessarily a faith-based movie. I, I, again, I never saw it. I had no interest in seeing it. But the thing that you typically get is people talking about it. People having conversations about it. And that's what leads to the success of movies like Sound of Freedom and the success of, you know, uh, The Jesus Revolution, for instance, did much better than what anyone would have anticipated it did. And it's because there were people that enjoyed it and enjoyed it enough to mention it to other people. And... We don't, you know, demographics do not act as a monolith, right? Your, your different groups and your representative groups, they don't, they don't act as a monolith. They don't always go out to see the movies that you think they're going to go see. There are trends, and, and those trends are indicative of, you know, types of decisions and choices that are being made for sure, but they're not the rule. They are not the guarantee, and this is something that I always mention. This is something going back even to the discussion earlier this year with the Mario box office, Right. Everyone and their mother was trying to say, how could you not have seen the film making a billion dollars? It's because, well, because it's been a pretty common theme that when you transfer a game into a movie, you don't get a one-to-one crossover in your audiences. In the case of Super Mario, it happened to do very well with the family demographic that had been hungry for content. Again, that was something I absolutely missed. That was something I absolutely made a mistake on and that I did not see coming. And I should have because... As soon as I heard Illumination's name, I should have said, ooh, they do really well with kids and family content. They are able to drive audiences out. Audiences trust them to provide, at the very least, a fun movie-going experience. Not necessarily a good movie, but a fun movie-going experience that their kids are going to enjoy. And you add that with the IP, okay. Now you start to see why that makes complete sense as to how it did. But I still hold by the, if you're going to argue hey, this is a successful game franchise, and that's why it's doing well, I'm sorry, but there is just no other metrics that can back that up. And I've I've brought this up countless times, right? Then why isn't Pikachu making billions of dollars? Why isn't a Pokemon making billions of dollars? Why aren't any of these other massive game franchises Sonic? People generally like Sonic, even fans of the game like Sonic, and yet that film's not making that kind of money. Again, because there is not a one-to-one crossover. And that goes with other films and other demographics, too. Orange Air Reviews, what's going on, man? It says, hey, y'all, back home from surgery, taking it easy, but dropping in to say hi and love y'all. Hey, praying for you, dude. Hope that the surgery went well. Uh, remember you telling about that, uh, telling us about that the other day, and so hopefully your recovery goes quickly. Jonah Wingster then says, Odin, why are you just so cynical and negative? You know, why am I so critical? Why am, why am I so cynical? It's not like there's a catchphrase that could possibly explain any of those things, right? It's also fun because most people who follow me usually have the opposite critique, which is, why do you call yourself that? Because you're not even that cynical. You're not even that critical. It's like, you should talk to those other people then over there. (laughs) Uh, Kinkin Rumpski over on Rumble says, how about the Bray Wyatt of Geeks and Gamers? I don't know. Bray Wyatt got pretty dark. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I may like thrillers, but I'm not as dark as Bray Wyatt. Uh, King and Ramsey College Football Pacific Coast Conference. Yet, yeah, I would never have known that that's what it stood for. It sounded similar. It sounded like something that would be the name of a college football league, but <laughs> as you all know, 
not not too much. I'm not too much in the college sports. I like international uh, sporting events, so like World Cups and things like that. My wife and I were quietly rooting for the Jamaican women's soccer team because we <laughs> because we love the movie Cool Runnings. So anytime Jamaica's in anything, we gotta you know. Any wrestling fans out there, you might remember when Kofi Kingston was was Jamaican, <laughs> even though he wasn't Jamaican. And I forgot the name of the of the commentator, uh, but on they had a commentator who was hilarious. He was so bad and he was so cheesy. But I remember his catchphrase for for Kofi Kingston was "Jamaican me crazy, Kofi." <laughs> Unfortunately, they lost. Unfortunately, they lost. They're out of the Women's World Cup. But I will say it this much: at least they looked a heck of a lot better than the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. Let's see, Stephen. Uh, Tad to say, Angel's side of me is telling me to text to have... Uh, okay, I'm not going to read that anymore, dude, because again, I, I've given you all that I can, and I'm not going to give you an answer. You have to decide it for yourself, man. Jonah Wingster, oh, not going to lie, if Jason plays HOS character from Spy in Meg 2, I would go multiple times to see it. <laughs> nice. Ryan Liu, do you think we're going to get another billion-dollar movie, uh, I mean, this year? There's not a lot of films I can think of that have that potential. Some people might try to throw the name Dune out there, Dune Part 2. But just keep in mind, Dune has never really been a massive money franchise. Dune is a very niche audience. Uh, people, for instance, I know, shout out to Tina, the Empress of the Universe, who, who used to be a mod on the channel. She, huge fan of the original Doom. I, didn't, I don't like it. I have a lot of issues with it, but she loves it. I know a lot of people who do like it. A lot of people who love the uh, original Dune film. But we can also recognize that they are a very small group in the grand scheme of the moviegoers and the movie watchers, as it were, right? We can all at least admit that much, even if we disagree over the film itself, properly speaking. The first Dune movie did come out during the pandemic time, so we really don't have a firm metric on how well a movie like that could do with the way the marketing is and the actors in it. But it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't come across as a, a billion-dollar film, especially since it's the part two of a two-part story, you know, th those are sometimes hard sells, especially with these more obscure stories. So I do think that that would be one of the better name recognition wise films that having. But even then, I, I still don't think there's really that there, I don't really think there's potential there. If you would have asked me before the summer, I would have said maybe Aquaman, too, because the first film was the only DC movie to make a billion dollars. So maybe this will have another broad appeal. But based on what we're seeing right now from the DCEU audiences, I just, I can't see it. If it happened, it wouldn't surprise me too much, but it also would surprise me. Ryan Lou, do you think Blue Beetle will take the number one spot uh, from Barbie? I mean, that's a really good question because $30 million is what the projections right now are. And by the time it comes out, Barbie will have been out for another two weekends, right? That'll be the second weekend from now that it would have been out. So because the film is dropping between, you know, around 40-50%, 30 million might still be enough. You know, this last weekend it made 55 million domestic. So if you take another 40-50%, you're looking at somewhere around 25-30 million for this weekend. And then you have the following weekend if you see another drop, now you're seeing it in the 15 to 20 million range, which is still really good that far out from your initial release. But that would leave room for a film like Blue Beetle to come in and take the number one spot. Now, the, the bigger question is, the week after, do we see Barbie then, then climb up? I think Barbie 
will be able to, I know people are tired of the Barbie talk, but I'm sticking more so to box office here. I think Barbie, because of the amazing legs it's having, will be in that top five discussion for quite a long time. Because even though it's having consistent drops, it's still performing to such a strong degree that when you get to the week two drops of these other films that are not performing very well, because the drops are going to be you know, 60% plus, that's where Barbie then takes over, is in the, the weekends after. So initially, yes, I think Blue Beetle, if these numbers hold, will come in number one the weekend it comes out. But the week after, depending on how much it drops, Barbie could actually end up taking over. I don't know if it would take over the number one spot, per se, because you have newer films coming out. And again, movies can only make so much money, right? You do have that law of diminishing returns that does happen to every film eventually. But uh, But yeah. Let's see. Bruce, I say maybe with the strike and showing an Aries, uh, an Ayers cut would be something to be released in theaters. Maybe, but that would also require Warner Brothers to make that kind of decision. And they they dragged their feet for a long time on the Snyder cut. And even though we did see they released it on HBO Max, and wasn't there maybe a, a small theatrical like they had it in very few theaters or something like that? Maybe, and then they did do a physical media release for it too. They didn't really put a lot into it so i mean maybe but i don't think it would be big uh let's see jacobite wiseman says are there any good heroic quest movies made by christian minded men not that i can think of off the top of my head i know that angel studios has some movies coming out one is called i think after death and it's dealing with stories of people who have had near death or death experiences i should say who came back so again some people are interested in that kind of stuff i'm i'm usually not because to me, when you die and your your brain starts to to die, right, for any length of time, at that point, anything that you think you see becomes that much more difficult to be able to d- differentiate between what is real and what is the activity of your brain. And you all know, I'm a person of faith. I do believe in miracles. Miracle of the Sun, Our Lady of Fatima, I think is one of the most important public miracles because of how many people were there both of faith and not of faith, who witnessed it and cannot explain it, and nobody can. Um, again, that's what a miracle is. This is what supernatural is, beyond the natural order, beyond explanation. Um, but when it comes to things like that, again, that's not really my my area. I know that next year, early next year, actually, no, I think it's March, is when Cabrini is coming out. That's a story about St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, who is a Catholic saint who did a lot of work to try to bring education to the marginalized. And so I think that's going to be a very powerful movie. It's the same director who did Sound of Freedom. So that's actually why I'm actually sold on that movie is because, oh, okay, I know what he can do. So I have a lot of confidence that he can do that story justice. And the trailer looks pretty good too. But other than that, I don't know of any off the top of my head. General Winkster, the women's team lost to, yeah, it was not just 15, U15, I believe, uh, boys. They are designed to be ridiculed. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Any metric you look at. And what's even worse is how you have this this jerk in Megan Rapino who has the gall to the year she's retiring, then jump aboard the whole, you know, trans ideology nonsense. And it's like, how are you how could you possibly say or believe in any way or accept praise of being an icon for women and trying to bring women's rights to the forefront when one, in a lawsuit, you actively lied? about being underpaid that was a lie that that wasn't even just a you know oh it was a misrepresentation no it was a flat-out lie it wasn't true 
And then to then have the gall to try to say, oh, yeah, biological men should be able to play in our sport. I mean, come on. <laughs> you can't be taken seriously then, right? And any person who, who looked at you or looked up to you as a strong wham and strong female, I'm sorry. At that point, if you don't see her for what she really is, which is a grifter who will do anything and everything to bring attention to herself and bring praise and glory to herself and money to herself and being self-centered as she is. I, I got news for you. Uh, Matt R. Hail, great stream so far. Join late, but we'll rewatch. Hey, man, thank you very much. Yeah, we just got a few minutes left. I'll try to get through um, all the comments as I possibly can. I can thank you all for hanging around. I know that uh, Tuesday's, Tuesday, Tuesday night's main event has probably started already. General Wingster, tell that poser on Honesty to get with the program. King Kane Rumsky, he's got some words for you, General Wingster. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Heartbreak Rage, I say, I'm slowly coming to grips with the possibility that Gran Turismo might be a good or fun movie. How do you think it will do now that they push the release to get it on IMAX screens? The marketing has not been good. So, in all honesty, I don't think it's going to do well the box office. What I think is much more likely to happen is if the film is as good as some of the early signs indicate it is. There's been early reviews, early talks that that are talking about how, how actually really good it is. It's reminding me in that way then a little bit more about Another uh, film, Edge of Tomorrow. I think I've mentioned this previously. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. The film had terrible marketing, did not do well at the box office, but was such a good movie that it got great word of mouth on its Blu-ray release and has since taken on a life of its own and made enough money post-theatrical to justify a sequel, to justify them continuing the story. So I, I would not be surprised to see Gran Turismo follow a similar route in that way. The question, though, is, is it that good? Hard to say. And then also, is it owned by a company that's going to be able to actually take advantage of that? That That's going to be the big uh, the big key and the big takeaway, I think. Yes, you're making me laugh. Your average major nerd says, hail chat, listening on my drive. Your average major nerd, hopefully you are doing well. Uh, Ryan Liu, do you watch Cobra Kai? I do. I do. I like Cobra Kai quite a bit, actually. I've I found all of the seasons to be quite entertaining. King and Rumsky over on Rumble has some words for General Wingster. Tell Wingster he doesn't know the power of the Wumble side. <laughs> uh, Bruce hanging out over on uh, Kick, or he was hanging out over on Kick earlier. What is with this chat? It's from a prior stream. Uh, yeah, so it keeps all of the chats, which I actually kind of like that it keeps those chats. Uh, it's nice to be able to go back and, and to reference those. But also, I, I as you mentioned, it's beautiful that it does separate. It says, hey, here are the new messages. Here's the new stream. Um, so, yeah, it does indeed post over there, Bruce. So, again, thank you for watching. And, of course, as soon as I mentioned Kick, now it says three people are watching. So, I'm sure now there's people who are like, ooh, let me go ahead and try to add to that conversation now. So, anyway, we are now at 8.30, and I'm tired. <laughs> I have I have to, again, first day of school tomorrow. First day of school. Back to school. Back to school to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. So, I've got, I got students tomorrow, and luckily it's going to be just a very clear-cut, hey, let's talk about our policies. Let's talk about our, you know, the syllabus, what I expect from you, etc., so hopefully things go well. Last year I was lucky where I had my first period off and it's just nice to be able to have that very slow transition in where it's like, okay, first period of the day, I don't have anybody. I get to, you know, because I'm right next door to another classroom. So I get to get, you know, used to the idea of, you know, people being around. I'm an introvert. So 
so that initial getting into the whole, you know, getting into the rhythm of teaching can be difficult. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love always looking through my lessons to, to remind myself of the, the various topics that we cover in a given year, because as a teacher, right, you know, the stuff, but then you're also, you know, changing things up every year a little bit, right? No PowerPoint and no lecture and no topic and no class is ever the exact same. And so the discussions are always, I think, insightful and fun. And I love learning. And it's always great to be able to continue to expand that throughout the throughout the day and throughout the year. So so anyway, wish me luck tomorrow, everybody, because it's uh, going to my fifth year here now, actually. And I think I've now going into, I think now this is my 10th year overall so it's kind of insane it's like wait i can't believe that i've been teaching for for that for that length of time and yet somehow some way it it seems to be the case so anyway with all of that being said again thank you all very much for your love and for your support uh the people who are watching over on kick did not leave comments so hey if you happen to leave comments after the fact it must be the delay but seriously, guys, you have been phenomenal. Anton K47, what's going on? Welcome back to the chat. Just saw you. And uh, Ikthulu, thanks for the chat and the show, everyone. Thank you as well. Uh, Kimberly G, I see the heart in there. Much love to you. Thank you for watching. And thank you all. So, yeah, uh, as far as the schedule is concerned, I'll uh, be on Friday Night Tights. I believe we're going to be streaming earlier because the panel that's being done at Anime Matsuri, I'm not going because obviously I'll be in school. But the panel that's being that's going on that day is happening at a time where they'll have to, I think, stream and then go to the panel. So I believe that it's going to be starting an hour. Wait, no, maybe it's the opposite. Scratch that, reverse it. Maybe it's the opposite. No, they're going to set up the stream first. This is the last I heard. Set up the stream first and then go to the panel and then run over to do the show. So it'll be an hour later. That's what it is. So I think it's going to be a 5 p.m. Eastern start this week. Stay tuned for that. Things are always changing. But I think it's a 5 p.m. start, and then we're going to try and do a two-and-a-half-hour two show, which means we're probably going to do a three-hour show. I feel like things tend to be 30 minutes to an hour off, <laughs> whatever the plan might be. Um, so it should still be fun. So if you like Friday Night Tights, uh, again, uh, the, the start time is looking to be changed. Stay tuned to Nerdrotic. Stay tuned to Gary and to, of course, uh, Geeks and Gamers as well for more information, social media. We'll, we'll keep you all posted on that. And then, we'll, of course, we'll have our Saturday evening show, and I'll be able to give some general insights on the box office, where we could expect the the last voyage of the Demeter, I think, is coming out this weekend. I don't really have a lot of hopes for it, because it's a horror film that I know I have, I know I have no interest in seeing, especially in August, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it then. So, anyway, thank you all again for watching. Again, apologies for the August shoutouts video being delayed, um, but anyway, it, it's still been a, a, a lot of fun uh, to be able to... <laughs> Try to get through the healing of my voice, and I hope that you are all able to enjoy some some ice cream like I am, and maybe some tea. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Orange Hat Reviews, thank you very much for being here. Hope that you heal up well. In a couple of years, FNT will become Friday afternoon tights. Yes, seriously, it, it's hardly Friday night tights at this point. I, I definitely would agree with that. But you guys are amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful day. It is also the feast day of St. John Vianney. So blessed feast of St. John Vianney. Tomorrow is the vigil of St. Lawrence. Um, and uh, yeah, great, great week uh, liturgically in this time after Pentecost. So you guys are all amazing. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.